Our message tonight is, is just a thought, or more of a title of Jesus. Jesus, friend of sinners. How many of you guys have heard that before? You know, and it makes us smile. It's a comforting thought. Um, and we're going to look at that this evening. Jesus, the friend of sinners. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 7, verse number 31. Before we begin, we're, we'll open in prayer. Lord, I do thank you for this day. God, I do thank you for the opportunity uh, to preach. I thank you for this, this thought that you've impressed upon my heart and, and uh, already encouraged me with. God, I pray that you'd uh, just be with my mind and my mouth. Help me to, to convey this truth from your word. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this evening. We pray in your name. Amen. Luke chapter 7, verse number 31, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in a marketplace, calling one to another, saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. Verse 33, For John the Baptist came neither eating eating bread or, nor drinking wine, and ye say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man is come, eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, and then our phrase for the evening, a friend of publicans and sinners. You know, we, we read that, and, and so quick, we're like, ah, oh, a, a friend of publicans and sinners. But Jesus was actually saying, you know, this is, this is a, almost a criticism that the, the men of this generation, the Pharisees and the, the scribes, had against him. You know, for we, we all know uh, the criticism of, of calling Jesus a gluttonous man was, was pretty much blasphemy. You know, calling Jesus a drunkard, a wine-bibber, um, would not have been appropriate either. Uh, and yet another criticism they had or, or thought was a criticism was a friend of publicans and sinners. And so we're going to look at that this evening and, and see, answer the question, was this a true statement? What is it, was it a, a true description of Jesus um, or was, was it something else? In, in Luke chapter number four, go back a few chapters here in the book of Luke, I, I kind of call this Jesus's mission statement. You know, many, many companies and, and uh, even churches, I guess for that matter, have a missions statement. What is their goal? What is their purpose and in Luke chapter 4, we find Jesus um, going into a synagogue. Luke 4, in verse number 16, the Bible says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been, uh, been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there is delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, which is Isaiah. And, uh, and just for your information, Isaiah 61 Verses 1 and 2 is what Jesus is going to read from, Isaiah 61. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again uh, to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. You know, if we were trying to think of what was Jesus' mission statement, you know, I, I think that's what it would be. You know, as we, as we look at his life and, and his ministry here, he fulfilled every single one of those things. He preached the gospel to the poor. 
He recovered sight to the blind. He, he set out to heal the brokenhearted, deliverance to those in captivity, uh, liberty to them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He did all of those things. If we go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, we find when Jesus was calling uh, his disciples, the Bible says, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. All right, so Matthew was a tax collector. And he saith unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in his house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." You know, so we, we set out and we, as we look at Jesus' ministry, it appears that it's a true statement. He's eating with sinners. He's eating with these publicans. Um, you know, and why was that such a contentious thing? Why was that something that the Pharisees were so opposed to and, and thought was, was such a wicked thing? You know, if, if we were to look in, in the book of Proverbs that they had, uh, Proverbs 13, verse 20 says that he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know, there's lots of verses in the New Testament we find as well, verses that talk about or warning us about being a friend of a sinful man. In James 4, verse 4, the Bible says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. And whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 1 Corinthians 15.30, be not deceived, evil communication corrupt good manners. That, that word communications um, is different than what we would use for communications. It means companion. Evil companions, evil friends corrupt good manners or good character. You know, and, and so it's not a new idea to think you know, that, that we should guard our friendships. We should guard um, the people are, that we're close to. And so was that a true statement? Was Jesus the friend of sinners? Let's look at what Jesus, or who Jesus calls his friend. Go to John chapter 15. And this is uh, at the Last Supper. John chapter number 15 and verse 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then verse 14, ye are my friends. Who's he talking to? The 12 disciples. You know, he spent three years with these 12 men. They, they ministered and they, they preached together. He empowered them to, to cast out devils and to heal people. And, and he spent the majority of his time with these disciples. And he calls them specifically, ye are my friends. But he also adds a little bit of a condition here. Ye are my friends, comma, if ye do whatsoever I command you. All right, is this a statement that's broad? Can I be the friend of Jesus if I do as I'm commanded, as God would instruct? Verse 15, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you 
friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. In the book of Luke, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, I'll read. The Bible says, he began to say on his disciples, first of all, okay, so that's, that's the group he's talking to, the disciples. Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in the darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Verse 4, and I say unto you, my friends. All right, so he specifically calls the disciples his friends. He also calls Lazarus his friend. And by extension, I would kind of include Mary and Martha. In John eleven eleven, he says, These things said he, and after he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. This is when Lazarus had died. But I go that I may wake him out of sleep. And then the last one that I, that I came across uh, was in Matthew 26. And then we already mentioned this individual with the 12 disciples, but Jesus calls Judas friend. Now, of all the people that we would kind of wonder, you know, is he actually the friend of Jesus? Would Jesus actually consider him or use that title? But in Matthew 26, verse 47, the Bible says, while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the 12 came and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. Verse 50 says, And Jesus said unto him, Friend. You know, who did Jesus consider his friend? You know, so as I was studying that, what does friendship mean? What does it mean to say I'm a friend with so-and-so? Jim and I were friends. I, I think we're friends, hopefully. I don't know how he feels about it. But what does that mean? All right, as, we, as I studied it, I came across, it was kind of a, I call them light bulb moments, all right? Um, and it, it's a really simple idea, but friendship is between two people, right? Um, the definition, if you were to, to type in Google, uh, the definition for friendship, it's a mutual bond or affection, all right? It's a two-way street. All right, if, if you, um, you know, if, if you had affection or, or, or a bond with somebody and they didn't know you existed, would that be a friendship? No, you'd, you'd probably be considered a stalker, right? <laughs> You're like, who, who is this guy, right? But a friendship is between two people and it's mutual. It, it's, it's, it's the one person's bonded to the other person and they have things in common or they enjoy spending time together. They, they, um, they enjoy going for lunch. Okay, that's Gemini's friendship. Um, you know, but you, you have a affection one for another. All right, so if we use that, that definition of friendship, did Jesus have a friendship with everybody that he came in contact with? You know, the accusation that's leveled against him is Jesus, friend of sinners and publicans. And my answer to that is, a, is an answer pastor hates, yes and no. All right, I get in trouble sometimes at staff meeting. He'll ask a question. I'm like, well, yes and no. And he's like, well, it can't be both. So make up your mind. Um, but in this case, it, it, it kind of is a yes and a no. There, there were sinners and publicans that were friends with Jesus. Jesus was friends with Judas, you know, the Bible calls him the son of perdition. Um, but there is also, there, there were other 
sinners and publicans and all the rest that weren't friends with Jesus. You know, think about it. The people that came into contact with Jesus usually had polar opposite responses. You know, they either believed or they, they strongly rejected him. You know, in Mark chapter 10, we, we find the story of the rich man that came to Jesus um, and, 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 or the lawyer rather, I guess. Uh, and, and Jesus talks to him and says, sell what you have and, and then you'll have riches in heaven. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, in verse 21, the Bible says, then Jesus beholding him loved him. Jesus loved this man. Said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. In verse 22, and he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved. He didn't take up his cross. He didn't follow Jesus. He did not um, give back the friendship that Jesus was extending to him. Uh, and so friendship has to be a two-way street. It has to be received and it has to be given. Uh, and again, in, 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 um, over and over, Jesus would extend, I believe, he'd extend that friendship to others. And it was up to that person, what am I going to do with Jesus? So Jesus, friend of sinners. And I think that's evidence by when we see his purpose, and we talked about his kind of his mission statement. Um, and Jesus lived that out, his purpose. First Timothy 1 verse 15, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So why does it matter that Jesus was a friend? Why does that have anything to do with evangelism? You know, pastor is, is starting to talk about uh, starting our, our door knocking, our visitation, and, and all those different um, things that we've done in the past that we had to pause, you know, and what does that look like? How can we be effective soul winners? You know, not just knocking on a thousand doors and thinking that makes a difference, but how can we be effective? How can we see fruit? How can, can God bless the, the efforts that we have? And so if Jesus used friendship... Or if Jesus was being described as being a friend, what, what, why did that happen? Or why was God doing that? Why was Jesus doing that? Why did Jesus desire friendship? In Romans chapter 2, go with me there. Romans chapter 2, verse number 4, I think we find a little bit of a, a hint. And, and I want to be careful. You know, I'm, I, I always, big asterisk. To, to ever stand up and say, this is why God did something, or this is how God did something. And, and we, we can study scripture and we can, we can take truth from it, but I do want to be careful and say, Jesus was a friend because of this, okay? Um, but I, I do think this is an observation. I think this is a, that is a truth that we can see. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering. All right, it's kind of a, a little bit of a rebuke, you know, that we haven't we haven't valued the goodness, the forbearance, the long suffering of God. And look at what the Bible says, not knowing that the goodness of God does what? Leadeth thee to repentance. Goodness comes from a, a Greek word krestos, which means better, easy, good, but relevant to us today, gracious. And kind are those definitions. The graciousness, the kindness, the goodness of God does what? 
It leadeth me to repentance. You know, we could look at that and say, the wrath of God scares me to salvation. You know, and, and I do think there's a place for that. Jesus talks about hell. Jesus talks about sin. Jesus talks about judgment. You know, and, and you know, many testimonies we could give in this room of people that heard a message on hell and, and it, it scared them. It, you know, there was a fear of God's judgment and it, it brought them to salvation. But the Bible also says that there's another way that God leadeth men to repentance and that's by experiencing kindness. And, and I hadn't seen that before. Like, I, I'm sure I've read that in my devotions. I know I've read that in my devotions. You know, but, but thinking about it, just stopping and thinking that when God is kind, when God is gracious, God's goodness, that draws people to him. That, that displays a characteristic of God that makes people desire relationship with him. You know, and I believe that's something um, that, uh, that Jesus demonstrated. You know, Jesus was kind. Jesus was gracious. Jesus cared about the sinner. Jesus cared about the publican. Jesus cared about the outcast. And, and honestly, if you're just kind to somebody, that can, that can sometimes be mistaken as, as a friendship, you know? Uh, Mrs. Fury picks on me a lot, and I, all I can do is just be kind to her, and, and hopefully one day, you know, she'll get right with the Lord. But, you know, there, there's, uh, there's just, it looks like friendship, you know? And I believe, you know, as Jesus would see people, and in his eyes, God loves that person. I, Je- sorry, not to be blasphemous. Jesus, I love that person, right? And he'd see those sinners. He'd see the, um, the woman caught in adultery, He'd see the woman at the well. You know, we, we just wrapped up Master Clubs, and we got to talk with our grade six class about uh, Jesus meeting the woman at the well. And he rejected all the stereotypes. You know, she was a Samaritan, and, and she was, um, you know, she had those five husbands, and the one she was with now was not her husband. He rejected all those things because he cared for her, and he had an appointment to talk with her. And, and the Bible says she went to the city and, and told all the people, come see a man that tells me, or told me everything I did and is not this the Christ? You know, she, she trusted him. She believed on him. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 says this, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Okay, most of us know this phrase. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the cheek, on the one cheek, offer him also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take the other cloak. Give to every man that asks of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Verse 35, but love ye your enemies. Do good, lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be children of the highest, for he is, and here we find that word again, Christos, or Christos, however you would say it. For he is kind, for he is gracious. And then look at who, what the criteria is of, of who God is kind to unto the unthankful and to the evil. You know, there, there's no, there's no uh, limit to who God's going to be kind to or can be kind to. And I, I know God judges sin. He chastens us. There, there is consequences. I, I get all that. But there are times when God is just kind. You know, we, we talked with our, our, our class again, and, and one of the kids asked, um, um, something around when are we going to be judged? 
You know, or why would God judge us? And we talked about the great, great white throne. But then we also talked about how the moment I sinned, the moment God could hold me accountable for my sin, he would be perfectly just to instantly send me to hell. You know, I'm five years old. I tell my first lie. I am guilty. Instantly I could go to hell. And God would not have violated any of his character. You know, the, every breath that we, that we breathe in opposition to God is mercy, is kindness, is, is graciousness from him. You know, and it's almost as if God's just waiting. Yeah, you know, I'll give you another chance. I'll give you another day. I'll give you another opportunity, perhaps, to hear the gospel. And so what was his purpose? His purpose, I believe, was to show kindness. And, and really, that that's, was built into who he was. Go to Luke chapter 15. His, another purpose was to show kindness, but another purpose was to search for the lost. Luke 15, verse number one. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. The Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners. And, and, and we'll just pause for a second. What's that mean to receive and I know it's kind of a trivial definition, but it, to receive means that you don't reject. You know, an antonym, the opposite. All right? Jesus received sinners. He did not rebuke them. He did not, well, you can't come hear me unless you get your life straight. You cannot, uh, you know, come learn at my feet unless you get everything lined up. All right? He received them to admit to give access to, to accept and not reject. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Verse three, and he spake this parable unto them, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which was lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors saying unto them, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. You know, on our, our bus today, our numbers were down. All right, we, it's a long weekend. A lot of people are away. We still had some people sick. And um, I remember if it was Miss, Miss Ashby or, or Rick that said, you know, it's worth it for one. It's worth going out and picking up one. And, and Jesus says that. There's, there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. If that one comes to church and hears the gospel and gets saved, there's joy in heaven. Verse eight, either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels over one sinner that repenteth. Who is Jesus talking to? The lost coin, the lost sheep, the publicans and sinners that in verse three or verse two, the Pharisees and scribes murmured saying, oh, did you see that guy? Did you see who just walked in? You know, what's Jesus doing? And the Bible says Jesus received them. Those were the people that he was searching, the lost, the outcasts, the, the rejects. He came to seek you. You know, he came to seek me. 
And, and as much as we like to think we have it together, we are the lost, the sinners, the outcasts, the rejects. We might look nice and put on a tie, but we were there. We were, we were out of the fold. We were that lost coin, and Jesus sought you, and Jesus sought me. What was the effect? What was the effect of Jesus being kind? What was the effect of Jesus um, receiving sinners to tell them about forgiveness, to tell them about what he was here to do, to tell them about himself. And the effect was simply sin was forgiven. You know, if you were in the presence of Jesus, and, and I know the disciples are kind of a unique case, but if you were in the presence of Jesus and you chose to follow him, how long did you say a sinner? I know you're still, we still sin until, you know, Jesus comes back. Um, but if I have my sins forgiven, do I have that title anymore? When God looks at me, do I have Calvin the sinner or Calvin the justified, Calvin the forgiven? You know, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about being washed, being cleansed, being sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Luke 19, verse 1, uh, is another criticism of Jesus spending time with a sinful man. Luke 19, 1, Jesus entered, passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a na- man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans. And he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. The only thing, and again, carefully I say, one of the only things in Jesus' mind was his soul was talking to Zacchaeus, someone who had, who had sought Jesus out. You know, and I know Jesus, you know, he had the, the, the knowledge and, and omniscience and all the rest. And so he knew Zacchaeus would be there, but Zacchaeus made the effort to go, made the effort to, to, to see him. And when Jesus walked by, he looked up and, and he knew all of that, that backstory. He knew all of the garbage in Zacchaeus' life. He knew how he was a cheat, how he was a thief. And yet he knew Zacchaeus was searching. He knew Zacchaeus was looking. And, and as he walked by, he said, hey, Zacchaeus, let's go have lunch. Let's, let's have a meal together. Let me be kind to you. You know, how many friends do you think Zacchaeus had? How many people do you think would just go and enjoy a meal with Zacchaeus? I imagine not too many. Maybe the people that were in cahoots with him or maybe people that were just around him for his money, you know. But how many people wanted just to be friends with Zacchaeus? Jesus did. He made haste, came down, received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying um, that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus saith unto him, This day salvation is come to this house. You know, and I know that Zacchaeus got saved because Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus was the Savior, Jesus was, was his substitute, and I know all that. But Jesus also showed him kindness. Jesus gave him his time. He gave him his, his, you know, he was a popular guy, Jesus was. And to, to set apart that time to enjoy lunch with a sinner, you know, and, and that man was saved. This day salvation has come to this house. 
For so much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to do what? To seek and to save that which was lost. More sin was forgiven. In Luke chapter 7, uh, um, uh, we'll turn there. Luke 7 verse 36, and I'll begin reading as you get there. Luke seven thirty-six, and one of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. You know, that's, that's the only description we have. A woman in the city, she was a sinner. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew this lady's reputation. Everybody, you say her name, everybody know who you're talking about. When she knew that Jesus was sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her, of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which was bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of man this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. How could this guy be the prophet and not know what she's all about? How could this guy be who he says he is and not know her lifestyle? You know, how she lived, what she does, all these different things. She's a sinner. And then Jesus goes on and he gives a little bit of a parable. Go down to verse 44. At the end of that, he says, He turned to the woman, said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered in thine house, now gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil... Thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sin, her sins, which are many, all right, we're, we're, not, we're not covering over anything. We're not excusing anything. We're not, you know, saying she's not a sinner. No, by all means, her sins, which are many. She just says, I know she's a sinner. I'm here to fix that. I know lifestyle that she lives. I know all the stuff she's involved in, and I'm here because of that. I am here for her. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sin also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace." You know, it, it was effective. The, the, the ministry of Jesus was effective. You know, and it brought a life-changing impact into those sinners, into that lost sheep, into that missing coin. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that Jesus cared for this lost sheep. You know, that he would seek me out, that he, you know, in the middle of all that mess, that Jesus would love me, that he would be kind to me, that he'd be gracious to me, that he would look and seek for me. So what's our application this evening? Why, why, why look at this? All right, and the first one is just to encourage you. All right, this was encouragement to me as I studied it and I, I read over it, to just encourage you that Jesus is your friend. You know, and just think about that, that Jesus desires friendship with you. You know, it's one of those, those things that often we, you know, you could have that, um, a friend that maybe you're, you desire more time with than they do. 
you know, hey, you want to hang out? Uh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm busy. And then they come up with some excuse. Okay, that's not Jesus. You know, if anyone's ever too busy, it's us. And Jesus is saying, hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to talk about me in, in, in the word? Do you want to pray? Do you want me to, to hear some of the requests that you have? And, and we just, we're often too busy. Um, and, and that's not the point of our message, but just to encourage us. It's the thought to encourage you that Jesus is a friend. Proverbs 18, verse 24 is a common verse. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And the, there's no other description better than, than our, it's a very good description of Jesus. And so to encourage us with that truth that Jesus is our friend. But it, it, it's also, it should shape our evangelism. You know, and, and you know, I'm, it's not the whole message to, to uh, you know, to tell us how to evangelize or, or to present a new evangelism program or anything like that. But just, I want, I want us maybe just to put this thought in our mind. You know, one of the ways that Jesus evangelized was being kind. One of the ways that Jesus would reach people was being gracious, was, was by receiving sinners. You know, I do think, you know, I, I, I worked with teens for a long time, and, and we would tell them, be careful of your friends, right? Nod your heads in the back, okay? Be careful of your friends. And, and adults, it's, it's the same. We should guard our close friends, all right, that impact us, that we go to for wisdom, that we go to for counsel. You know, if your best friend is someone who's lost, you know, that might be something to, to consider, you know, because they don't believe on Jesus. They're not going to have the same priorities. They're not going to have the same mindset. Or the, you shouldn't have the same mindset of someone who's, who's not believed on Jesus. You know, but it should shape our evangelism. How can I reach someone with the gospel? You know, how can I get to the point where I can talk and have the hard conversation? You know, if Jesus was, was a hard nose and just real brash and, and not approachable, do you think those sinners would have ever sought him out? You know, if they expected to get an earful, you know, your life would be better if you would just get your life, you know, figure this out. You know, if, if they had heard that that's how Jesus was, how many people do you think would have gone and sought him out? How many women that were sinners do you think would have gone and anointed his head with oil? You know, how many people in our community, our friends, our, our, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family maybe, um, how many of them think that we will receive them like Jesus did? That we can be kind, that we can be gracious, all the while having the purpose that Jesus had. All right, Jesus wasn't out just to be a social butterfly and to make a bunch of friends and to, you know, have the biggest friend count on Facebook. Okay, his purpose, his, his mission statement that we read in Isaiah there was to seek the lost, was to heal the brokenhearted, you know, was to, to uh, reach those in captivity. And if my goal can be parallel to Jesus' goal, to seek, and I know I can't save anybody, you know, so we're different in that regard. But if my goal is just point people to Jesus, point people to Jesus, point people to Jesus, you know, um, you know, how many people might actually have that conversation with you? Hey, you go to church, right? Oh, yeah, I do. What's the Bible say about this? You know, what's, what's God think about this? And all of a sudden, 
if I have that, that kindness, that pro- approachability, maybe they might hear the gospel. You know, I was, I was convicted, and I wonder if a little bit might come from Pastor Fury. He showed me a video a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you remember it or not, but um, of a, a pastor ripping another pastor, which I know. Well, we never do that. <laughs> they do. Um, and it was, it was shameful. You know, the, the message that was being criticized was a man that stood up and said, you know, we need to, to have respect and, and, and I'm not going to get all the words right, but basically uh, respect everyone uh, equally or, or understand that Jesus died for them. Let's say it that way. And, and this other pastor got on and, and ripped that apart. No, 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 they're sinners. They need to be judged. They need to be condemned. And they're already condemned and all this stuff. And that's not what I see when I see Jesus. I don't ever see Jesus, apart from uh, rebuking the religious, I don't ever see Jesus pushing out a sinner, casting out a sinner, not receiving a sinner. You know, Jesus didn't... didn't um, uh, glance over their sin, he forgave their sin. I think there's a really big difference there. Our goal should be to show Jesus to sinners. Let them see Jesus in us. Uh, And the product, we talked about the, the, the purpose, we talked about the effect. The product is that people got saved. People had their sins forgiven. People had were able to put their faith in Jesus. You know, and and how cool would that be? You know, that if you, someone that you prayed for, someone that you went out of your way to be a blessing to, saw Jesus through you. And again, Jesus saves. Think of that woman at the well, right? She got saved. She believed on Jesus. She went back to the city and told all those people. And then Jesus went to the city, and and I don't have the verse written down, so I'm going to paraphrase. Um, Many more believed on him because of his saying, not just the woman. She did have a part. You know, there were those that believed because of her, but Jesus is our Savior and the Savior of the world. Every head bowed, eyes closed. We'll just, we'll have a moment. We'll stand together. And, and maybe you just need that encouragement. Maybe you're at a point today where you just, I don't know, felt off or, or felt um, distant from God. Let me just encourage you with that thought. Jesus is a friend. Jesus sticks closer than a brother. Or maybe you have someone in mind that you're praying for, that you would love to see saved, that you would love to see trust him or trust Jesus as, as their savior. You know, are you, are you just kind to them? Are you gracious? Uh, and we'll, we'll take a couple of moments, a couple of minutes this evening and, and just talk to Jesus about that.